Welcome, everyone, to the Deloitte AI Institute Canada podcast, Demystify AI. I'm your host, Aisha Green, Senior Manager of Deloitte Canada's AI Institute. As you might be aware now, our podcast focuses on how to demystify the value AI is creating. In this episode, we explore the many value-generating opportunities of AI as applied to healthcare and life sciences. Before we jump into it, I'm reminded of a quote many have heard over the past two years. Winston Churchill, while working to form the United Nations after World War II, famously said, never let a good crisis go to waste. The pandemic has been that same catalyst for change for healthcare. With the complexity and rise of data across this sector, increasingly we see several types of AI being employed by payers, providers of care, and pharmaceutical companies. In some cases, accelerating the adoption and experimentation of its applications. My first guest today is Alan Miranda. He's the Head Market Engagement Excellence at the Jensen Pharmaceutical Companies of Johnson & Johnson. He previously led the Life Science Incubator and Accelerators J-Labs in Toronto, which is a global life science network for innovation providing startups with access to capital-efficient lab spaces and resources, including expertise, community, and industry connections. And I'm pleased to be supported in this conversation with Shanil Ibrahim, who is a partner and national life sciences and healthcare consulting leader at Deloitte Canada. Welcome to you both. For my first question, really over to you, Alan, is what does it mean to have a patient-centric care approach when you're building AI solutions? How do we build in that mentality, uh, extract value as we apply it to healthcare when we're looking at AI? Uh, I think for us, from at a Janssen Canada perspective, we're using AI in a couple ways. Uh, really from a market facing perspective, we want to understand the analytics of the customers we're dealing with. Uh, how do we serve them? Who are they treating? Uh, how can we engage with them in the right way to drive the right conversations with our customers? Uh, we're using this data to also understand patients better so we can drive solutions or design solutions uh, that can assist patients in having better outcomes, but can also assist the healthcare system in delivering those outcomes. Uh, from us, using we really think about AI and using it in a patient-centered way uh, really means understanding patients more intimately, more deeply, and then designing solutions that really make a critical impact on, on those patients in their healthcare journey. Thank you for that, Alan. In terms of the data and also the supports of what you look at in value, what are those specific metrics? How do you quantify it? I think uh, quantification is is a challenge for everybody in the in this marketplace. How do you quantify value? But I think it goes back to understanding deeply uh, the journey of, of an individual as they go through a disease state. People are not just patients, they're also people. So as we track people through a disease state and understand uh, the challenges they run into, we're able to identify gaps in care, gaps in, in, in what they're experiencing. And so we were, were able to say, okay, let's really figure out where we're going to play in these gaps. And then, then the, the metrics become uh, apparent. So let's dig into that just a little bit deeper. If you can, and if you're able to share with us maybe what this looks like in practice. Because for most people, when they say, you know, Johnson & Johnson, well-known company, successful not only in its application, but also how people view it. It is um, held to a very high account. But people want to see how are you doing this in terms of the data that you're available and also making it an intimate client or customer experience when you are looking at uh, the care that you provide. 
So I think, how do we do it? A practical pull through it. I think we look at it in certain buckets. So, you know, we're using AI and data tools in our drug discovery engine to be more efficient and more effective and understand and be able to do things faster and decrease cycle time. I think that's industry-wide, but we've certainly made significant investments there. From a clinical development perspective, we are also uh, investing in tools that allow us to better identify patients and, and, and deliver our, our clinical trials in a more effective way. Uh, you know, I work at an opco, so everything we do is practically focused. So Janssen Canada, we're using tools in a very practical way to say, can we understand uh, healthcare practitioners better? understand their caseload, understand the patients that are coming to them. Can we map the patient journey more effectively? And can we start to identify gaps in that patient journey based upon data? Can we establish partnerships with, with the healthcare ecosystem to have data that, that isn't our view, but is their view, and then merge it with our data to give a more holistic view of, of, the, of, the, of the patient? Thank you for, for sharing that, that insight with you. I want to turn now to, to, over to you, Chenille. What does success for life sciences company look like? When you look at the data, the available, available data that they have, as well as their application for AI, um, you've seen many different solutions. You've proposed many different solutions. Would love to hear your insights. Uh, first, I think I do want to echo what Alan did mention, you know, that the best way we can effectively use AI and analytics to enable patient-centered care is using data to understand the underlying needs of the patient. Every healthcare organization should be measuring value on how they're addressing those underlying needs of the patient. And, and what, what I mean by that is just truly understanding what their preferences are, whether it's accounting for their socioeconomic status, their behavioral patterns, how they interact with the healthcare system at the end of the day. And this is essentially you know, what we've called having the 360 view of the patient. Where do you find success when we unlock um, or, or we look into how do we unleash the value of AI? What does incremental success look like, as well as that long-term vision of success for either the patient-centric side or even the providers or, or payers? I think uh, when we think about incremental value at the end of the day, a lot of times we're trying to think about you know, what are going to be you know, the wins for an organization. It's not just completing a project at the end of the day. It could be how we're actually partnering with the ecosystem, that could be a potential win at the, at the end of the day, and that could be how you measure success. It could be how you're getting patients to adopt uh, a certain type of application. It could be how you're getting or improving patient experience at the end of the day. These are indicators to me that this is tied and aligned with the patient outcome, and those might be the incremental success metrics you're measuring at the end of the day. Would love to hear your perspectives, Alan, since, um, you know, you've led J-Labs, you've seen incremental success from a scale-up um, ver version to incubators and, and accelerators. How do you value success within the AI adoption space, whether it be from the um, that startup lens or even from uh, Jensen's uh, perspective in terms of their organizational lens of, of defining success? I think, I think we have to decide. I think my learning, you know, starting there from working at J-Labs, I think what small companies do very well is they innovate, but then they don't innovate theoretically. They, they, they put it into practice because they have to. And so for us, as we start to think about AI tools or analytic tools, it's working, working very closely with the business to understand, okay, what's the pull through from this? So we need to start to generate some momentum around some of these tools. So as we think about new data sets, new tools, machine learning, and we start to get greater insights around 
patients and we pull together innovative data sets, we very quickly need to circle with the business to say, what is the near term, what is the medium term, and what is the aspirational uh, vision of using this data? How do you develop that North Start? How does Jensen communicate this across the organization so that it's not sort of a one-off, but it's something that people gravitate towards in terms of looking at the value and accepting the value of AI? I think that has to be an evolution of existing an existing belief. So, you know, I, I talked about the credo before, but I, but I think we as a company are well understand that that patients are the center of, of what we do. So that that belief is already entrenched. So it's not a difficult sell for people to believe that if we focus on the patient and use data as a way to better understand them, and if we design offerings with that kind of as a bedrock, that that if we do that well, that we will be successful. So I think that belief is inherent in our in our company. I think leadership commitment to a long-term view, implementing some of these strategies, I think that's critical. So I, I want to slightly shift focus from the aspirational to the practical, simply because healthcare, it's not an easy industry to be in. Um, it is fraught with sometimes uh, a lot of failure, um, a lot of decisions that have to be made for sometimes the business, um, and sometimes uh, it, it doesn't always lend well in the public view. I'm curious for, for that view that you have of aspirational, how do you take that practical lens when sometimes it, it's seems impractical and it seems a little bit of a hard mountain to climb. How do you keep motivated in this sector when you're looking to apply a technology when there is a lot of barriers, there's a lot of obstacles to overcome? Uh, so I, I don't, I think the aspiration, I think again, as I go back to leadership is, is, a, is an enthusiasm and a positivity uh, that leaders need to have. So I, I think uh, positivity can be a force multiplier with teams. So I think you have to really be careful. Compliance, uh, be it legal, regulatory, uh, privacy, all of these are constraints and we have to be absolutely focused on those things. Absolutely. So I do want to come back to on the measures uh, question because I do want to bring Shanil into the conversation because I do want to ask you, Shanil, in terms of these conversations, because I'm sure you've had them with a number of, of different um, uh, colleagues and, and uh, other people that you're speaking to, what are the measures that you're using? What are the KPIs that define success within this space as it applies to AI and, and really unlocking the value of it? You know, one of the first things that you want to make sure um, whenever you know you hear AI or analytics is you're not just thinking about data first. So the first two things you're really trying to achieve are, you know, what are the business outcomes you're trying to achieve and what decisions do we need to make to enable those outcomes? So if you're looking at a key metric if an AI application is not even adopted or championed by someone in the business to drive and help adopt it in the, in the market, whether it's with patients or with healthcare providers or whatnot, that to me is going to be a failure within the organization. The second thing I think it just in terms of metrics is also understanding, you know, what are, what are the kind of key capabilities that you're trying to build in the end of the day to actually scale it? So what I mean by that is there's going to be some core capabilities that's that the organization needs to build, and that will be a metric that they would want to actually measure at the end of the day. Alan, back over to you in terms of those KPIs to consider, but with a little bit of a twist, um, simply because data for data's sake is, as, as you know, um, that adage of garbage in, garbage out. 
can you walk us through maybe sort of the quality of data that you're working with and maybe even um, insights into how you're you're being held accountable even at a executive level at a client level not client but a, a consumer or or um, a patient level to really make sure that the kpis and those metrics that you're using of data is actually um, equitable and sound in terms of what you're using for decision making Data quality, you raised an issue around data quality, and that, that is certainly an issue for everyone. And, and what you realize is you start to look at, you're always most self-critical about your own data. So the data sets that you have, you, you're, you're intimately aware of the gaps in, the, in those data sets. Uh, and then when you deal with partners, you realize that their data set is also not complete. And so what you run into as an organization is that you've got to combine data sets. So whether it's syndicated data, your own proprietary data, uh, data from outside sources, so partners. So data partnerships become critical. Uh, and that can also be one of your critical uh, metrics and success factors, or how good are you as a company at forming sort of these outside partnerships. It's actually quite easy to create an analytics model in this day and age, which, you know, obviously some people are going to find it hard to believe, but, you know, we have advanced so much in terms of putting a model up and running it's very difficult to create the right one that's based on a useful set of data attributes. And there's areas in healthcare where, where there is actually a ton of data, but it's just fragmented everywhere. So the hardest part is actually bringing them together. And once you actually bring them together and create that level of asset and have something that is rich where you truly understand, I understand the patient end to end. I understand the bottlenecks then you can actually start to build a model and actually deliver on solutions that address those type of attributes as well. Alan, how are you extracting value of that partnership or that build or buy mentality that is coming quite prevalent within the AI sector? Um, it, it is a challenge. And so I, 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 won't, I won't underestimate the fact that, you know, public entities have their own uh, mindset and their way of doing business and how they capture value or how they have to express values is radically different than the way we as a, as a, as a company would define value. But it's understanding again is where do our goals align? So what are we trying to achieve and being quite open about what we're trying to achieve, achieve but also listening to what the needs are from their perspective and trying to align on what is shared value? Look, all of the issues around compliance and privacy, which are absolutely important, and we, we've got to manage those up front, people become more motivated to address those, those challenges because they see, a, they see a, a reason to do so. And so I think it starts with defining what are we trying to solve for? What, why are we here today to talk to you? And, and can we provide value? And sometimes in that conversation, fortunately or unfortunately, you, just, you, you realize with a partner you can't provide value. Or that they're looking for value in a different place. But I, but I think being somewhat intentional in those conversations uh, helps you get to those answers faster. But I'm, I'm just curious if uh, Jensen has that mindset of maybe data monetization as a potential path forward to start to integrate data sets. Or is it more of a collective sharing and, um, you know, that democratizes the data and then everybody kind of wins? I, I think the monetization, whenever you talk about data monetization in healthcare, especially in the Canadian context, I, I think it creates, it creates a certain amount of angst. Um, I, I don't, I don't enjoy that as a phrase. I, I don't think that's aspiring and um, inspiring. Uh, even, even within my organization, I, I think it's more understanding, um, what are, what are the gap? How do, how does this give us a, 
an opportunity to understand gaps in care or close a gap in care. Where do you see advancements? Where do you see sort of Jensen going into the next delivery of care, the future of care? Would love your insights on um, what are the, the next uh, frontier for Jensen? Is it quantum computing, image recognition, NLP? Would love to kind of see what excites you in sort of the, the future phases within this field. Um, I think all, you know, when you look at those things, it's who wouldn't be excited. I think when you look at quantum computing, but, but that's, that's, a, that's a very big piece. You know, th- these are all tools, you know, right now it's quantum computing. I, I think for me, again, is what excites me or where I want to see is it, we have to, in, we have to infuse a way of thinking into our organization and then whatever tools are available at that time, that's what we'll use. So am I excited about quantum computing? Absolutely. Uh, because it gives us the power to crack the nuts on problems. But the critical piece for us is what is the problem we want to solve? So the more we can understand around the patient journey and across all of our therapeutic areas, the better opportunity we have to bring the right tools to help deliver on that, that those better outcomes. Uh, the thing, though, I think that I would be quite excited about in terms of how we can move the needle is changing access to care for a lot of patients who are not getting it right now. So when we're actually putting solutions in, in the market, whether it is remote monitoring or education or coordination type of applications, whether they're enabled by AI or not, and you're able to actually get it to hard to reach patients and close that gap, that to me is making you know a, a quite a meaningful difference. What would you like to leave as your legacy on how we can future-proof um, the healthcare system and also look to, to create something that is sustainable? A legacy probably is built, uh, is built every day. And so I, I think like, you know, sustainability in the healthcare system, I, I think that's, a, that, that's something that's, you know, probably beyond my purview and what I think about in terms of my legacy. I, I think I want to more think about within my organization, uh, what's what a way of thinking and a way of collaborating um, if we can build a, a data platform and tools that give us better insight to patient, and we can use that as a bedrock to have better conversations with healthcare providers, health systems, so that we can be engaged in a discussion with them. I think that's the legacy I would want to provide. I, I think in my background, you know, previously I've worked on the reimbursement side of things where we would often get into very fractious uh, conversations with the healthcare system around value. And part of the gap there was that we didn't, we weren't talking, we had our data and they had their data and never the twain should meet. And so if we can start to build a culture within our company where we're building new and innovative data sets and we build into our culture a desire to partner so that we can use that data to have conversations and then that conversation can drive a productive discussion, that would be the legacy I'd be excited about. So, Chenille, I want to also give that call to action to you, uh, maybe not put it in the form of a legacy, but also what, what, are, what are your hopes in terms of the collaborations that you're seeing across this sector? And, and also, how does it apply to AI and uh, application and adoption over the next uh, couple of years? So I do want to put in, um, Alan, maybe that uh, quote or, or maybe even cite the 2040. Uh, 2041 uh, scenario book of health, AI and healthcare um, and that look forward. But looking to Chenille first, what are your perspectives? What are your views and what would you hope to leave as your so-called legacy? <laughs> I'm excited about the disruption that's going to take place in healthcare. And for me, when I think about, I don't know about a legacy, maybe leaving a mark is I want to be at the forefront of the disruption. And I think 
being, you know, in my in my position right now, I do feel privileged that I could bring stakeholders together and try to solve big meaty problems. And if we can, you know, or if I can even move the dial on, you know, one of those big big problems, whether it's enabling access or getting patients certain solutions or you know, accelerating reimbursement and see the pull through. Yeah, I'd, I'd be I'd be very happy with that for sure. Yeah, I think as uh, demystifying AI, I, I think you know, going back to the, the title, it, it's I think for teams, it's for us team, our team is when we started our journey two years ago. It was we knew where we wanted to be. We wanted to be patient focused, but we didn't know exactly. We weren't, we didn't know about data sets. We, we kind of had dabbled with bigger things with other things on the clinical side, but really using those data sets to think about patients, it was all new to us, but we started out with is what do we want to achieve? What does good look like? And we really held ourselves to account is can we, can we understand patient unmet need and can we deliver solutions based upon that? That's in a nutshell, what we're holding ourselves to. So I think for, organizations as you embark on this journey and you start to want to demystify it's like what are you solving for uh and really being intentional about how you approach it and the tools and those things that they'll become apparent to you as you go through the journey but sticking with an understanding of what are you solving for what's that what are you trying to do from a patient perspective that's where we started and that's where we continue to focus and that 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 helps you demystify or gives you confidence i guess i should say uh to engage with some of these tools because at the end of the day they're just tools um, and then you measure those tools to say whether they're helping you move against your, your overall agenda to understand patients better. This certainly has been an aspirational view into the possibilities of AIs applied to healthcare. I want to thank Alan Miranda, Head Market Engagement Excellent at Jensen Pharmaceutical Companies of Johnson & Johnson, and Chenille Ibrahim, Partner and the National Life Sciences and Healthcare Consulting Lead at Deloitte Canada for sharing their insights and perspectives on how the healthcare and life sciences sector is demystifying the value of AI. To you, the listener, thank you for tuning in to the Deloitte AI Institute Canada podcast, Demystify AI, where we delve into the many value-generating opportunities of AI for providing qualitative stories and quantitative data points. If you would like to learn more about this podcast or other podcasts within our series, please visit us on the Deloitte AI Institute webpage, Canada. We look forward to seeing you next time. Have a fantastic day.